date. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? Well, I I feel like I'm... uh, (laughs) I'm reeling a little bit uh, from all of this news, uh, tariffs and stock market bumps and, you know, just is it uh, gloom and doom and the sky is falling or what's going on? No, it's not doom and gloom and the sky's not falling. You know, it's it's never as good as you think it can be and it's never as bad as you fear. Okay, okay. so let's break it down, sort of unpack it and, and get a good grip on it so we can sort of really take a good look at the landscape you know, and 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 uh, not do any panic things or anything like that. So, <clears throat> why does the stock market go up and down? Well, the stock market likes clarity of direction. We have some things right now that aren't too clear, but we also have some facts that are indisputable that are very clear, and that's what's going on in the underlying economy. The economy is still expanding right now. Okay, and when you take a look at at interest rates and what's happening there, the first thing we have to deal with is, you know, interest rates are starting to rise. If they go up too much too soon, then eventually it'll choke off the economy and the economy will stall. That's not the case right now. The 10 year note settled in at two point eight percent this this week. And so that's fine as long. You know, we like to see it under five. So that gives us a lot of breathing room with with that. The Federal Reserve is going to raise their rate as they did, you know, last week um, or or, I'm sorry, earlier er, earlier in the week. You know, the Fed delivers an expected 0.4 percent rate hike earlier this week. Okay, that means that they feel that inflation's coming into the system as a result of wages rising. So they're going to raise interest rates slowly over a long period of time. Here's the scenario when it comes to interest rates. If interest rates take off like a helicopter does versus they take off like a plane does, long, slow, long glide path, it'll be fine. You know, then then the other thing that's going on, too, in the economy, Chris, and we've been talking about this for quite some time since two thousand, the end of 2016, and that is corporate earnings are, are rising. Corporate earnings for the first time next month in April and May – for a, since a long, long time ago, are going to be reporting their earnings in a lower tax environment than they've ever been in, I think, since the 80s. So when you take a look at that, how is that going to impact corporate earnings? And, and estimates are that they're going to be growing pretty well. And people buy stock based off the, the estimates of future corporate earnings, which is a good thing. Then we also have to take a look here at, you know, European uh, the European economy, it, it's rebound, it's growth rebound is, is still good, but it is slowing, it is showing a little bit of signs of, of you know, slowing down a little bit. So uh, we have all of that stuff there. Oh, by the way, let me stop for a moment and, and mention the big, you know, pink elephant in the corner, right? <laughs> okay, here it is. The trade war talk, right, mm. with tariffs. That's a big thing. Again, markets like clarity of direction, right? 
And with the tariffs and the trade imbalance trying to get rebalanced and however you view it, okay, the market likes clarity of direction. And right now, with the tariff talk back and forth um, uh, between China and us, people are afraid that we're going to get into a, a trade war. And that could lead to, you know, people... Uh, you know, panicking, selling out of the markets, trying to play which way this is going to happen. Uh, at the end, we need to hold on. We need to make sure your portfolios are, are functioning well, doing what they need to be doing. They should be holding up for times like this. And when you stop and you break it all down here and you really look at what has to happen, in the coming weeks, we're going to get more clarity of direction to see which way the economy is moving, what's happening with fiscal policy and trade talks, and uh, it, it should be okay, particularly at that at that. At so that you point. think we're going to jump we this ditch? Direction. What'd you say? So you think we're going to jump this ditch? I think we will jump this ditch. And yes. so it's really a it's a sale that we're looking at here, then possibly. Depending on how you look at it, if you're looking at measuring your portfolio performance year over year, last year, you know, I can't speak what everybody's investments did out there, but I can tell you that the S and P did 19 percent last year. And I can also tell you that the S&P is down just a little bit this year, one, maybe one and a half percent year to date. Mm -hmm. OK, so when you look at it from that perspective, you're going, that's not too bad. But if you're looking at it from the highs that we had in January to where we are right now, it's still really not all that bad. So so when you stop and you take a look at what does the market do, the market does normal fluctuation. And we haven't had this type of volatility or fluctuation or, or, or ups and downs, whatever you want to call it. In the last two years, almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's it, 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 it we always tell people it's going to come. It's going to happen. We just don't know when and we don't know what the triggering event of it's going to be. And the triggering event of it right now is is trade talks. And that's what, what it is. And when you go out in industry, and you take a look. Some people in the industry are going, hey, this could be pretty good. And other people are going, no, this might not be good. At the end of the day, is it going to raise consumer prices for you and I and everybody else listening to the show? Probably, but mm -hmm. other people are saying, no, not necessarily. It may not because there's a big group of thought out there that it might not end up being what we think. It may only end up being a small little tariffs here or there. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. So so that's the bottom line, Chris, on this thing. But, you know, when you go back in time and you look over the last, you know, seven or eight years, the seven pullbacks that we've had, anywhere from 5% to 19%, you take a look at the at, at what triggered those events, they were all triggered circumstantially, not structurally due to the economy fail, falling you know, or, or uh, slowing down. And that's the same thing that we have right here. So we're going to sit back and, and, and see how this happens. Nobody well, likes this, no. but these are times right here where you need to stay true to your portfolios, and your portfolios should be holding up. Well, even in the worst of times, I mean, we look back into the Great Depression, if you will, if you had stayed the course and just kept on going through, in the end, over it takes a long time, yes, but in the end, you ended up better off if you just stayed where you were, right? And and that's exactly correct. However, let me just add something to that because this this can branch off into a great discussion here today. And and when you talk about time, somebody says, "Okay, well, I'm 42, Larry. I've got time. This is no big deal. I'm going to throw some more money in and get it at a cheaper price." Yeah, yeah, we all see that and understand that and read the textbooks. And yeah, that's the right thing to do. What about somebody who's 62, who's three years away from retirement? Mm -hmm. What about somebody who's 72 or 82 today, looking at this? This is my point. 
when you're at these ages here, 62, 82, whatever it is, your portfolios should be constructed in such a way that you're not getting as much volatility as maybe the, the broad markets are. You know what I mean? You should be having things that are, are more diversified, more balanced, and, and stuff like that. You so, start tapering so, as uh, time goes on, as you get closer yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Rule of thumb, the closer you are in time to needing your money, not necessarily the closer you are to retirement, but the closer you are in time to needing your money, mm. the more conservative those dollars really need to be. And there's a, there's a handful of different strategies that one can undertake to, to, to build a, a portfolio that's constructed like that to, to handle some of these things. So, you know, stay tuned. Let's see what the, 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 the coming weeks play out. Remember, April and May is not that far away, and that's when we're going to get the first read on corporate earnings underneath the new tax reductions uh, that we have. And, and corporate earnings, even without that, are expected to be to be rising, and that's one of the fundamental reasons people buy stock to begin with. Just feels so the like markets a bumpy need ride. clarity of direction. Pardon me? <laughs> Just feels like a bumpy ride right now. Is what it feels it like. is a little bit of a bumpy ride. That's exactly right. <laughs> so. it, it, it is right now, but, but you know, let's, let's – Let's just hold on. We're not going to, you know, we're not talking about doom and gloom, and we're not talking about, hey, right. there's nothing wrong either, okay? There's some things that are changing, and the market's like clarity of direction, and that's what we need. So let's sit back, evaluate your portfolios. Now's a great time to take a look at your portfolios, your investments, and ask yourself the question, can I deal with the highs and lows that I've had this year in my portfolio? If you can, then you're okay. If you can't, then maybe you, you know, you're failing your sleep test, and maybe you need to back up and go, you know what, let me take a look at it again. Maybe I need to pull some off and things of that nature. So you know, uh, it just depends on what sectors you're in. Remember, asset allocation makes up for over 92% of your portfolio's long-term rate of return. And so, you know, I always like to start the show off each week with a little bit of what's going on in the markets and the economy and stuff like that. And we've got a lot to talk about right now. So give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're 
listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's the phone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, and here's Larry. So, Chris, you know, last week we, we I didn't quite get through one of my, my topics last week, and I wanted to bring it on this week here. And it was, you know, sort of some of the questions that you might want to be asking a prospective or your current financial advisor. You know, well, you should be already asking your current one, but but prospective financial advisor. I uh, uh, was recently a, a, a speaker at a financial planning conference out west earlier this year, and, and some of these types of conversations came up. And, um, you know, it's interesting. So from time to time, we'll have somebody come in and, and ask a series of questions, sort of interviewing our firm, seeing if, you know, if they want to work with us or, or shop around or, or whatever it is that you want to do. I found myself not too long ago telling a prospective client, well, you know, you should be asking these questions as well. And they were like, well, I never really, you know, thought of that. But, but you know, just wanted to throw this out. And I started on this subject a little bit last week. I want to finish it up this week. But, you know, what? one of the questions that you want to ask a, a prospective financial advisor is, what's your tracking process with a financial plan? In other words, what I have seen all too many times in the industry is a, a new client will come in, we'll, we'll onboard them, and, and we'll go through and we'll ask, you know, hey, have you ever had a financial plan completed for you? What, what's the story with that? And they say, yeah, yeah, you know, I had one done in, in 2011 or 2015 or whatever. I say, okay, would you have the updates to it, or, or what's the story there? And they say, no, we, we just did the financial plan once, and, you know, that was pretty much it. And, and I see that so many times. And, and when you're doing a financial plan, you really want to have it updated year after year, whether it's, you know, however many, however many times you meet with your financial advisor, the plan should be updated. And, and that's one of the interesting things when, when, you're, when you're interviewing a prospective financial advisor is ask him or her, how do you track the progress of your financial plan? Does it update each night automatically? Do I have to send you in statements and cash flow reports? How are you tracking how the markets are doing compared to my goals and my income needs down the road? This is a crucial question that you want to ask your advisor. Another question might be, you know, I, I'm under the impression you're, you're a pretty decent investor anyway. Or else you wouldn't be in the business, right? Mm -hmm. You probably make some good decisions in different ones and bad ones along your career. But tell me about your cash flow management. When it comes time for me to be in retirement or close to retirement, how are you going to set up my investments to manage my cash flow needs on an after-tax inflation and fee basis? What is your process? What is your And then how do you track that? How do you meet with me to make sure that my cash flow is meeting my needs and that all of a sudden I'm not I'm not running short every other month and slamming something on my credit card. How do you do your cash flow management section of your financial plan for a re, for a client who's retired or close to retirement? So some interesting questions here, you know, just we're, we're talking a little bit today about prospective interviewing questions to a, to a financial advisor. These are the questions that you could be asking your current financial advisor, too. Uh, do you have the ability to have input on investments? You know, some clients say, you know what, just just do it yourself. Just, you know, I just want to turn it over to you. Here's my risk profile, my tax scenario, my cash flow needs. Build the portfolio, manage it from time to time. We'll get together from time to time, review it. Whereas other clients are at the other end of that spectrum, and they say, "You know what? I want to have input. I want I want to understand what you're seeing in the economy as it compares to my investments. And when you make a move, I want to know about it. I want you to explain it to me. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. How do you feel 
when it comes to your investments? How how do you want to be managed when it comes to your investments? Does your advisor allow you for input? Does is your advisor open to, to sharing any processes that he or she may have on the investment policy teams? How do they make their buy and sell decisions? So lots of types of questions that are out of the quote-unquote basic arena of interviewing a financial advisor. What about their staff? What type of staff do they have? What about the duties that their staff does? Who do I call in your office if I need to change my address or my beneficiary form or want to make another investment? What do I do if I want to have an estate plan done? You know, all different types of things when it, when it comes to things, all different types of planning subject matter when it comes to all of this. So. I'm going to ask you hopefully not a controversial question here, and if, if it is controversial, let me know. But I've heard where you have financial planning offices where you have a lot of clients or customers that you work with on a regular basis. And having that large amount of investment coming from so many different people allows you to have some leverage when it comes to, you know, investing in certain things. Is that is that how some offices do their investing? Is that something, a, a tool that you would even inquire about for that matter? So, like, if you have a large financial planning practice, you can approach an investment company and have leverage and say, hey, I could move such and such amount of money over there. Give me a deal or something like well, that? Well, something like that. I no, mean, no, that's no. not how it works. Okay. No, I've heard something no, about not at all. If you have a certain amount of assets that you're able to manage, that you're able to, I don't know, get things on sale or, or maybe have a larger amount to, to do something with. But that's not the case. No, that's not the case at all. As a matter of fact, there's some very strict rules in that, and okay. it's a $99 a year rule. So, oh. like, suppose I decided I wanted to put uh, – suppose I or any financial advisor said, hey, I want to put some money into uh, XYZ uh, mutual fund or ETF or whatever, and the representative from that firm said, hey, this is great. You know, I'll, uh, I'm going to give you a gift for that. No, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> that's not good. You can't do that at all. So, okay. so you know, that that, that – that isn't it's something... not controversial. It's not even a subject. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. No, you, you can't can't do those types of things. Um, you know. So we're talking here today on the show a little bit about uh, prospective financial advisors interview questions that are sort of out of the norm and and overlooked and not really talked about too often. Another one is number of meetings per year, mm-hmm. and then what are we going to cover on those meetings? In other words, have you outlined a timeline for my needs? Somebody who's 42, 52, 62, 72, and 82 have future needs, and they're all different at those different ages. The 42-year-old is trying to figure out how to continue to grow, save money for retirement, protect their family, and put kids through college, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The 82-year-old is figuring out, hey, you know what, how do I best pass assets on to heirs and charities the most tax-efficient way? And then everything in between those two perspectives on the different age groups that I just talked about. And, and, and for people even younger, 32 and the 22-year-olds as well. You know, so when you stop and you think about, you know, how many review meetings am I going to have with my advisor each year? And what are we going to be talking about? And what goes on in these review meetings? At least once a year, right? Probably. At least once a year. Yeah. You know, you would, you would hope, right? At least once a year, maybe two, three, four times a year. It just depends on the needs of the client in their life at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? Suppose somebody's going to be selling their house and trading down to a smaller house or somebody needs to, uh, you know, there's a, there's a new grandchild born and they need to change their beneficiary forms. And just all different things pop in all the time when it, when it comes to that. Here's an interesting question, too, to ask prospective financial advisors, and that is what is your buy or sell process? Can you explain to me what your buy or sell process is? 
How do you go about making these decisions? You know, uh, are, are you an advisor that, that just wants to have money only in mutual funds? Or are you an advisor that only wants to have money in ETFs? Or are you an advisor that only wants to have money in individual stocks? Or are you an advisor that wants to have money in all the different products because you recognize that there are pros and cons to each one? How do you go about doing this? You know, so, so lots of different questions here that you can sort of ask prospective financial advisors. So these well, are just, some of it is also their education, right, and their certifications. And, and you know, where are, they, are they qualified and why yeah, exactly. are they exactly. You know, are you a certified financial planner, a CFP? What other designations do you have? Are you a chartered financial consultant? I mean, there's all different uh, high-end level um, designations that, that one could actually have. Uh, in in the business, you know, and do you work from a financial plan and things? So, well, I got a book. I got a book in a cereal box. Does that qualify me? You know? There you go. E I E I O after your name, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three to reach me live here in the studio with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Eight five five Rose one two three. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. Don't forget that telephone number is available and good every day of the week. If you can't get a hold of somebody, make sure you leave a message. But if you're in the middle of work and you'd like to get a question answered, you don't charge for those questions during the week, do you, Larry? No, sir. We have lots of people calling the office or emailing in, wanting to know information on different subjects and different things. Uh, feel free. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Matter of fact, we are just very close now to launching our new website, which is going to have. Uh, it's you gonna bust be a champagne. Packed. You bust a champagne bottle over that thing. <laughs> there you go. It's going <laughs> to be packed with uh, all kinds of information and new videos and and just lots of good, uh, lots of fun stuff in it. That's so exciting. I'm uh, excited about it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, something that we haven't talked too much about 
over the last handful of years, and I want to bring it up now. I touched on it a little bit tonight, at the, a little bit uh, this morning at the beginning of the show. Boy, I don't even know what time of day it is, Chris. <laughs> a little bit this morning at the beginning of the show. And, and that is inflation. And, you know, the market is trading a little bit on inflation fears, mm-hmm. you know, because they know interest rate, the market knows interest rates will go up as we get more inflation into the system. And the reason why is because as inflation creeps into the system, you know, prices tend to rise. And one of the mandates from the Federal Reserve is basically to have some sort of price control, you know, price stability, I should say, not price mm-hmm. control, but price stability. So, so what does. Two times three times five times three hundred sixty-five times twenty mean or come out to? Yeah, and the number yeah, comes out to two hundred nineteen thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> well, what does that have to do with inflation? It's got everything to do with inflation. Everything to do with inflation. Two people eating three meals a day, spending five dollars per meal, three hundred sixty-five days a year times 20 years in retirement equals $219,000 Wow! at a fast food place. I'm not not eating at McDonald's tomorrow morning. That's it. Yep. So here's my point, Chris, is as we're getting inflation into the system, purchasing power is going to start eroding a little bit, so you need to make sure that your investments are outpacing inflation. And taxes and fees, basically, but mainly making sure your dollars are keeping pace with with inflation during your retirement years, which brings us to the point here where as interest rates go up, most people understand that bond prices go down. So as interest rates will continue to rise during this segment of the market cycle, interest rates are going to start to I'm sorry, interest uh, that's going to drop the bond prices. So at the end of the day. When a bond owner puts money into bonds, they care about one or two things. One is the income that's coming out of it, and two, the principal value of it. Because if you sell off your bond or your bond mutual fund after it's been sitting in in, in, in a rising interest rate environment for some time, then at that particular point, you're going to have a, a, a possible loss in principal because interest rates go up, pushes bond prices down. That's true on just one side of the bond street because there's another side of the bond street. It's called credit risk rather than interest rate risk. On the other side of the bond street, there are actually bonds that do well in this environment when interest rates are rising. So you need to ask yourself the question and take a look into your investments. What types of bonds do I have now? I'm talking about floating rate bond funds. What type of bonds do you have right now? in your portfolio mixture. Make sure you have a proper balance mixed and you're diversified all along the way, no doubt about it. But understand how your bonds are reacting and rising interest rates. Are they are they gonna do okay or are they gonna go down in value? So that's a big thing when it comes to the two hundred and nineteen thousand dollars of five dollars per meal in twenty years of retirement for two people. Well that does bring up other questions about how much you could actually save if you stop eating at fast food joints or stop or cut down on uh, the Starbucks runs. You could uh, put that money away and you have a pretty good piece of change after a little while. There's no doubt about it. Wow. <laughs> I mean I don't two hundred thousand dollars. Even that? if you just you know, not a lot of people do this anymore, but because everybody swipes their card now, but back in the day when you would you would take your change out each night and throw it into a big jar you yeah. know, or a jug. Uh-huh. 
you know, you would you would have enough money, uh, you know, at the end of the year to, to go get something pretty nice just from, you know, quarters and dimes and stuff. So back when I was single, Same I made a mistake. I, I let the kids go through the house and find all the change that they wanted. I said, go ahead and find it. You know, it's not going to be that much. And you guys can go to the store and, and have fun with it. And they came up with over $150. <laughs> yes. I was, like, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Oops. I, yes. I should have not done that. But, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot I of understand it. <laughs> no doubt about Save it. No doubt money. about yep. it. Hey, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. If you want to talk about anything, talk about Chris's uh, quarters <laughs> that are stuck in his couch and is uh, behind right. under the seat of his car. Yeah. So he's parked out here in Waiva, right? <laughs> Go get the car quarter. Right. Anyway, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, welcome Martha on the line. Good morning, Martha. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. How can I help you today? Well, I have a question. Our company is uh, is uh, dispersing our annuities. They, they stopped contributing two years ago, and they say we need to put it um, in something or cash out. Um, it's not a big amount, but it'd be more advisable to open just a uh, IRA with it. Um, well, Martha, you got a lot of questions and topics wrapped into that in that question there. So let me try and address them one at a time. First of all, let me understand what's going on. You said your company is dispersing your annuity. Are they? Would explain that to me a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, we can, we can either roll in our retirement annuity, which some most people don't have any longer. But our, I've been with the company for so long that I have a um, retirement annuity, a retirement uh, benefit that we can either roll into our 401k or cash out or transfer. Okay, so you have a you have a benefit that if you were to retire, they a would pension. go ahead and give you a monthly payment pension, right? Yes, it's, it's a pension, yes. 
Okay, so your your choice now is to continue to keep working, and then with this pension, they're going to say we're going to cancel the pension, and you can roll it into your 401K, or you can cash it out. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so if you cash it out, you're going to have to pay taxes on it, and it's not capital gains taxes. It's ordinary income taxes. So whatever tax bracket you are in, that's the tax percentage it's going to have to be paid, okay? Okay. So that's a very costly thing to pull out, pay the tax, and then put it down on your house. It would almost it would almost be better to just take income from it, roll it over roll it over to an IRA or roll it over into your 401k plan. You should have the option to roll it into an IRA as well as the 401k plan. You're probably not going to have penalties. Are are you over 59 and a half? No. Okay, so so here's if you cashed out the plan, you're going to have a 10% tax penalty plus income taxes. Very very expensive. Okay. In order to put money down on the house, what you can do is you can roll this over into an IRA, most likely, and then you can withdraw money each month to make up for an additional mortgage payment into the house if you wanted to. Oh, that's great. Now being over fifty nine being under fifty nine and a half, you're subject to a ten percent penalty for withdrawals ex- unless you take what's called an SEPP withdrawal. Section seventy two T of the Internal Revenue Code, which means substantially equal periodic payments. In other words, let's suppose you decided to take five hundred dollars a month out of the IRA. And the guidelines say the most you can take is $700 a month out, okay? Okay. As long as you take the $500 a month out in this example each month or each year, the same six grand, okay, and you do it for a period of to age 59 and a half or for five years, whichever is longer, then the IRS will waive the 10% penalty for you. But you'll still have to pay the income taxes on it. You're going to have to do that either way. But at least this way, you can avoid your tax penalty to do this, okay, instead of cashing the whole thing out and putting it down on the house. But this goes back to what you were talking about a second ago here, Martha. I think it's more in line with what your overall financial plan and your goals are and your objectives, okay? Because remember, to pull money out, pay that tax, then put it into the house, that's that's an expensive move in order to do that. You may better – you may be better off – going about the house scenario in a different way of just rolling this over into your 401k or an IRA and having that money grow and come up with some other resources to to do your game plan on the home. Oh, that's great. Uh, That's what my initial plan was, but I just wanted to throw that out there and see what it would cost to do that. I didn't realize the same um, taxes would apply. Yes, taxes are most likely going to apply now. I'm I'm 99% sure just based off of what you told me, but then again, uh, maybe not. But uh, I'm pretty sure that they will. So, you know, you can get some more information from your employer on that. And if you like, I'll have uh, one of my advisors give you a ring and, and step you through that conversation with your employer and show you what your best options are. Is the ultimate goal is to pay off your home, or what do you want to try to do? Just lower monthly expenses to, um, you know, Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, that really goes over to the overall planning stuff and everything. So we'll uh, – yep, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, send out our toolkit to you if you like as well. That will help you figure some of that out also, okay? All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Yep, let me put you on hold. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show here. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Good morning, Carl. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, I I have several pieces of property, and I wanted to leave them to my, my children. And I started, I had a lawyer to draw up a trust for me. And... Uh, I've, I've, he's drawn the trust up, and I've, I have put them in. I have had them uh, notarized and all. But what's, what's the procedure after that? Well, are your, are your, your children? They're all in agreement to receive the properties, and or do they know about it, or what's the story there? Yes, they know about it. They're, they're in agree, agreement to receive it. Okay, that that's good because uh, I have to tell you real quick the one of the hardest things to leave is real property to to heirs because one of them wants to move into it, one of them wants to rent it out, one of them wants to sell it. But as long as you've gone down the road and settled all of that, it's going to make things a lot easier. So as long as the properties are owned by the trust, now they're in the trust, one day Carl when you pass and go to heaven, the language of the trust will take over, and it'll say property A is to be dispersed to child number one in this manner and, and so forth and so on. So whatever the language of the trust says, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Well, what's the procedure of making sure that the trust is, is legal and well, have you changed? Have you changed the ownership of the house to the trust? In other words, have you funded the trust? Are the houses no, still in your name, or are they in the name of the trust? It's still in my name. Then it's it's unfunded. You need to change the title of the properties into the name of the trust. That way, it'll it'll take the course of action. Okay. I was trying to find someone that would do that. Well, sometimes the attorneys will do that for you. If not, you have to do that. Um, if you like, I can have uh, uh, you know I can refer you to some attorneys that might be able to help you with that. Okay, I would appreciate that. Sure, that's easy to do. But you know that's where that's a lot of times where where you know you've got this trust and and now you've got to put the assets in it. So you've got to change the title of it. That's all that needs to happen next, and then everything will work out fine for you. Okay. Okay. Yep. Let me put you on hold, and I'll refer you to some attorneys that can help you process that for yourself okay okay yep you have a great weekend carl appreciate the phone call you listen to making money sense the larry rosenthal show give us a ring at 855 rose one two three you know chris in ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 2 it says divide your portion to seven or even to eight for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth sounds like savings to me well, it sounds like diversification and savings. Yes, I would agree with that, you know. And so I want to talk real quick about something that, that we, we see every once in a while, and that is, you know, um, in, investors having different mutual funds, but, but behind the scenes they're all invest or not all, but most of them are invested in the same place, or they might be all with one mutual fund family, okay? 
And and so if you stop and think about it, you know, you have large cap growth, large cap value, large cap blend. You have small cap, mid cap. You have bonds. You have international, domestic, you know, emerging markets, whatever it may be, okay, allocation funds. There's no one mutual fund company out there that has the best fund in all these classes. Now, now they might argue, hey, ours are the best, you know, but, but reality is that might not quite be the case. So, so why not have different mutual fund companies representing the different mutual fund classes that you want to invest in? Like if you said, hey, I want to have some money in small company, mid-company, and large company stocks – well, why would you not just go ahead and take a look at the mu- different mutual fund companies that have the best funds in those different classes? They kind of specialize in that area, yeah. There you go. And then on top of that, why would you just limit your portfolio holdings to only that of mutual funds? Mm-hmm. Why not incorporate some ETFs? Okay, and you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, you know, for, for years I've talked about this. It's, it's very important to, to, to understand the diversification of the people managing the dollars, the mutual fund companies. You know, if you stop and think about it, if you have all your money with mutual fund company A, when they get up in, in, in the morning and they go to work, they're, they're thinking about mutual fund company A and how they manage money. That's it. Well, mutual fund company B may be managing it slightly different. You get different brain power, different institutions, different philosophies thinking about your money every day that's being managed. I have a question for you, though, on that, Larry. If that's the case, then, where between ETFs and mutual funds, they're kind of handled differently. If you don't really understand how they're handled, why would you why would you take that risk of going into something that's not managed and just stay? In, why wouldn't you just stay in mutual funds? Well, that that's a good point, Chris. What you're talking about here, what you're alluding to, is the difference between passive management and active management. Whereas an ETF usually buys a sector or an index, mm-hmm. and it's deemed a passive management because whatever is in that index, that's what you're getting. Versus a mutual fund, we have a fund manager, you know, who's responsible. His or her team is responsible for the buys and sells and the holdings inside that fund. But you're avoiding some hidden that's fees that way. Okay. Active management. Well, a lot of mutual funds are are are, are re, have been reducing their fees for active management on the institutional platforms. Okay, so so the marketplace has been driving down the hidden fees. There, I've seen now some institutional priced mutual funds less expensive than some ETFs that are out there. Well, that's interesting. Okay, yes, it really is. You got to really pull back the curtain and see who's behind that green curtain, right? Okay, <laughs> the Wizard so, of Oz. Right. So what you're talking about though is the difference between active and passive management. And in, in, in times of volatility, in times of things like that, so well, well, let me just say this. There are times when passive management indexing outperforms active management. And there's times when active management outperforms passive management. We'll take a quick break of there, there and let's welcome Yvonne on the line from Spotsylvania. Good morning, Yvonne. How are you today? I'm very fine, thank you. Okay. Now, if I have an annuity, and it seems to be progressing pretty good. It was one that I got through work, and I'm retired now. And I would like to convert it to a Roth for when I start to draw. I'm 69 now, and so I'm looking into affairs to make sure that I don't, I'm not saddled with a lot of tax when I start to uh, draw the distribution. Okay, so Yvonne, is the money that's inside the annuity, is it all pre-tax money? 
Uh, yes. Okay, and you wish to convert the annuity pre-tax money to a Roth, is that right? Yes, so tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, not necessarily. So, so here's the rule most of the time with annuities, and that is the annuity company will mandate if you're going to convert it, you have to convert the entire annuity. You can't convert just a portion of it. And that's the case if the annuity has a special... Uh, income protected or, or um, rider on top of it. So you need to find out what your annuity company's rules are as far as their product design and allowing you to convert it to a Roth or not. Okay. Okay. Because you may you may have you know you, you may have a hundred thousand you may have a million dollars whatever it is inside that annuity and if you convert all of it that could create a substantial tax bill for you versus mm -hmm. if the money was in a non annuity account. You could do series of little years conversions. You know, you can convert $10,000 a year for the next 10 years, that type of a scenario. So find out from your annuity company what they say has to happen on the conversion of their product, all right? Okay, if you, have any, if you need any help on that, I'll be happy to put you on hold, and we can have one of our advisors give you a ring and sort of step through the annuity company rules with you on that. So I appreciate the phone call, Yvonne. You have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome Ron on the line. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of things about um – Using um, whole life insurance as part of your um, plan for uh, retirement, and I just wanted to know how you felt about that. I've heard things that say it's good to use it. There are a lot of benefits to it, and I've read some other things where they say it's not good to just use the term insurance and then um, invest well. So I just wanted to know where you fell on that line. Well, Ron, there's definitely two types of insurance out there. There's permanent insurance, which you're calling whole life, and then there's term insurance. The advantage of term insurance is for a small amount of money, you can purchase a large amount of insurance for a finite period of time, say 20 or 30 years. And after that period of time's over, the cost on it's going to go way, way up. The advantage of the permanent or the whole life, as you're calling it in this case, is that that policy will last for your entire life if you fund it correctly. So the question becomes, do you need insurance down the road longer than what the term is going to provide you for? And I think that people need a combination of both. I definitely think that you need life insurance for your entire life. And I also think that you need term insurance to get a large amount of coverage while you're growing your family or your business or something like that, should you die prematurely before the actuarial age is hit. So it really it boils down to a combination of both and what your ultimate needs are. You know, if you run a financial plan and you include the life insurance needs analysis as part of that plan, you'll probably see that you need maybe a little bit more insurance than what you carry. A rule of thumb is that you need somewhere between five and ten times your income for life insurance based off of a few factors, age of dependent children, amount of debt the family has, standard of living survivors need to maintain, and percentage of household income that you provide. So, yes, I am a fan of both types of insurance, and they both play a different role in the marketplace. Okay. So is it that you can buy a term and then you can convert it, or how would you Would you just have a certain percentage of your life insurance in the permanent and a portion of it in the term? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you can buy both of them, and yes, you can convert the term into permanent down the road. Uh, a lot of term policies have a guaranteed conversion privilege into a permanent type of a policy. It really boils down to how much insurance do you need. Have you sat down and done a needs analysis on how much you need? Not really. And things are just changing, so I'm going to redo it. Me and my wife got roughly over a million and a half together in term insurance, but um, I've been reading a lot of things they were saying about the whole life, and I just wondered whether we needed to start looking into that and what are the benefits or the downsides, because a lot of things they're saying it costs more for the permanent insurance, and that's it, why they were suggesting using the term. Ron, it does cost them. more now for the permanent insurance, but one of the ways permanent insurance can work, if it's funded correctly, is that over the years it builds cash value inside the policy so that down the road you can actually stop making your payments and the cash value can continue the policy in force during retirement years without you making any payments to it. I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold and get your information as well as send you out some information on how to figure out exactly how much life insurance you actually need. Sure. Let's welcome Deb on the line. Good morning, Deb. How are you today? Doing well and yourself? I'm well. How can I help you? Um, my sister's husband is starting to get ill, and before he gets too far um, to the place that they cannot travel, she is wanting to go ahead and take like a two years of absence of work uh, in work, and she's wanting to know if there is some kind of formula out there uh, as to how much money they would need to have during those two years. Um, so that they would be able to still uh, fulfill all their obligations because they're going to keep their house, the house, the car, um, but they want to travel during those two years instead of work. Do you have a yes. formula out there? Actually, there is, Deb, and and I'm sorry to hear about your sister's situation. And and um, I, 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 you know, we have experienced this with with clients in in our in our practice. Um, that when things like this come up, they want to go do things. Um, right. I understand that. I get that. And basically what the process here is is she needs to sit down and just do a cash flow analysis of, of everything mm -hmm. during this travel period of time and then after it as well. Um, it becomes a balanced mixture of, of, you know, depending on how much assets they have. Um, you know, if they have an overwhelming a lot amount of assets, it's not a big issue. But if they don't, then we have to really do a cash, a detailed cash flow analysis on how much okay. they can spend, when they can spend it, and things like that. And then also um, looking at insurance, and then looking at you know um, after this this two years is over, with what what things will be left like, um, you know, at, from that standpoint there going forward. So okay. so that's really what needs to be done is that type of a cash flow analysis. Um, does your does okay. your sister work with a financial advisor? Uh, if so, sit down with him or her. If not, we've done this with clients before uh, in situations like this. So um, it's you know we we can help help that situation for you if, if you if you needed it. It's just basically a, a big intense cash flow scenario. Okay, all right. Um, that's that was kind of the direction I was leading her. Um, and, you know, she's in, they're in a good spot right now. He's retired. She isn't. Uh, their house is paid off. They have no debts. Um, so, you know, they're in a good spot in that situation. But, of course, 
they were not anticipating this situation to happen for at least another five plus years and um you know when she could actually retire so they yeah this this will be good for her yeah, yeah. So, so you know, if you like, I'll I'll be happy to send you out some information on it, on on the cash flow of it all. Uh, we can send you out our financial planning toolkit and have someone follow up with you, and then you can introduce it to her. And then maybe they can sit down and start start uh, doing some programming on it all. All right. Yes, I'd appreciate that. Okay, let me put you on hold here, and uh, you have a good weekend. So appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense with Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually... Pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, and, well, look at that, Larry. We are just about out of time for another program today. Yes, sir, we are, Chris. And the question uh-huh. is, well, actually, another question. The word for the day is don't panic. The stock market is going to come back, and it's not as big a deal as everybody wants to make it out to be, right? That's what we're all hoping for, Chris. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's you a non that's a non-committal committal but yeah no it's uh it's definitely you know, when, whenever we talk about that somebody always says when <laughs> i get a phone call when what's the story what's the date a little, little murky in the old crystal ball eh you know? there will be a tuesday in your life in the not too distant future that you'll be happy which one is just not just that clear know, yeah <laughs> So, no, not at all, not at all. Hey, well, for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. Give our office a ring at 855-ROSE-123 during the week. If you have any questions on anything at all or if you'd like to get some uh, material from today's show, be happy to, to, to mail it out to you or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. 